Shark Child, and this is The Dark Verse, a collection of my strange works with the sole purpose of sharing with you a unique world of horror and fantasy that will follow you to the visions of your sleep. I have some good and bad news. The bad news is that I recently received the advanced copy from the printing of my book, The Dark Verse, Volume 1, only to see that they did not correct a part of the cover that needed to be corrected. So the whole shipment, which they have already sent my way, is defective. Luckily, the printer is to blame, so they will reprint everything. No charge to me, but a delay, of course, is unavoidable. I had set the release date for May 26th, but that will obviously change. Now the release date should be about two weeks later. The good news is that you can check out the book on Amazon. Just search The Dark Verse or Shark Child. You will be able to see an image of the front cover, back cover, and the end sheet. The end sheet is insane, by the way. Also, I've already applied for the Search Inside the Book program, so you can take a peek at what I've done with the format. You'll even get to see the illustration that goes with the first story. That is insane as well. But what do you expect? John Stifter is an insane artist. The story I have for you in this episode is my longest to date, and I believe it should be a real treat. Hold on to your soul, and prepare yourself for the 41st episode of The Dark Verse. It is entitled, Symptoms of the Astral. Just get inside, my mom yelled. But please, let me... I tried to explain. No, I don't want to hear about it. Just go to your room. I'll let you know when you can come out. I climbed out of the minivan and went into the house. My body trembled with a mixture of rage and adrenaline. I went to my room and closed the door. It had been another day at school gone irrevocably bad. I was sick, but that did not stop me from getting into trouble. Having sickle cell disease actually made things worse. As if a magnet, I attracted the most fiendish people. The bullies, the cheaters, the socially elite. My sickness was a beacon to the devoid of morals, and I did not like to concede to their ploys. It was that trait that proliferated my folly. Being weak and different in appearance was one thing, but the impulse for people to use me was more twisted than the disease itself. I'd resolved to never give in without at least a half-hearted fight with my feeble arms. It was those same, very feeble arms, that put me on the school's list of irredeemable troublemakers. I sat at my bedroom desk with my face between my hands, staring coldly into the tattered wood. When the sun set, I did not even turn on the lights. I stayed in the darkness, festering in thoughts of hatred and disgust. What was wrong with me, I thought. I was imperfect physically, 
but I did not understand how that encouraged or predestined my daily demise. There was no justice, there was never a verdict to explain how I was so punishable. My wayward health was the splinter of my life, but it was not the source of the pain. The source of the pain was the unending rejection. The garage door opened and closed, followed by the laundry room door. Dad was home. He started a conversation with Mom, but that quickly ended when whatever they were talking about caused his ancient, ferocious anger to erupt. Heavy steps pounded towards my room. The door flung open. Dad grabbed me by the shoulders and dragged me backwards to the bed. The chair beneath me tipped over. He slapped his right hand across my face hard, twice, and then threw me to the ground. Each slap was like a glowing light bulb cracking into darkness upon my flesh. He left without saying a word. For the most part, he did not have to, but I would have liked to have at least heard the verdict upon me. After such palpably haunting occasions as these, there were only three things I ever wanted. Privacy, paper, and a pencil. And I only wanted them together. Their time had arrived. I clambered to my feet and turned on my desk light. Its focused beam leapt onto the desk, creating a universe of light pitted against a much vaster universe of darkness. I let my hands rest in the glow for a moment before acquiring a piece of paper and a perfectly dulled pencil. The first mark was splendid. It shot around in a circle, leading to the quick depiction of the planet I so pathetically lived upon. The next few strokes constructed upon that planet the land masses of its holding. Then I paused and stared heavily at the page. This was my life, I thought, trapped. There must have been menacing things out and around me then, hiding in the folds of presence for I felt my thoughts being caught and collected in a pocket of soft and smoothly dark matter. Like items of value, my thoughts were picked and delicately placed into a container of safekeeping. I fed the gatherer. Why is this world such a hideous place? If there was something out there, if there was anything out there that was more powerful than this hell, then why would everything be left this way? Why wouldn't the all-powerful thing change it? Why wouldn't it fix it, you lazy bastard of a god, you sick prick of a devil? Can't you hear the cries? Can't you feel the pain? Even the plagued of this earth have more heart than you. I have more heart than you. While deep in my violent thoughts, I was unknowingly sketching. I drew a miniature planet orbiting the earth. It was smooth and unusual looking, ovular, asymmetrical, and perplexing. Upon it, I drew foreign rocks and curious plants. I began to draw. I stopped. The pencil fell from my hand. Consciousness came back to me. That which I was about to draw revealed itself in my mind. It came from the shadows of my twisted thoughts, a thing of deviant design. I caught only a glimpse of it because that was all I allowed myself to take in. That small glimpse was enough to jar my wistful state back into the coherent. It brought chaos to my nerves and a foul stench to my breath. 
I was more troubled over that millisecond of horrible enlightenment than I had ever been over my dad's rampages. I looked at my new drawing for the first time. I saw the earth I knew I had drawn, and then I saw the bizarre planet next to it, created in pencil strokes not of my own artistic style. The unfamiliar image was unsettling, and with its existence, my satisfaction in sketching had ceased for the evening. Distraught in the cores of my bones, I crumpled upon my desk, stuffing my throbbing head into my arms, hoping everything around me would fade away and leave me in peace. I could feel the blood within me changing. My spine grew warm, and my fingers tingled. A gnawing worm of agony began wriggling up and down my spine, dragging its abominable teeth while it moved. I forced my head more fiercely into my arms to abate the pain, but it did not help. I had medication for such occasions, but I was too disciplined for anyone to check on me, and I was too rebellious to call upon my indifferent parents for aid. In fact, Mom never came to my room that evening. She never said I was free from the bondage of my punishment, and she never brought me dinner. She left me in the writhing grime of low self-esteem and unearthly torment. There was nothing I could do to get myself to sleep that night. I lay in my bed, staring blankly into the hazy gloom of my ceiling while the desk light radiated a small hum of electricity. The pain in my spine was deep, and the side of my face pulsated through the tenderness of its swollen growths. To complete my plague, my stomach growled its demand. Hope in life had all but been lost. My state of despair had not always been this bad, but it had been this bad for a long time. My vitality seemed to become fainter each day as if I would soon simply phase into death. And I thought about death, since perhaps it could have been an answer to all of my pleas. But I wanted death to follow accomplishment, and I had no accomplishments worth telling of, or dying for. Then, as I restlessly battled for release, there came a period in which I received a brief respite from the mental and physical turmoil. During the respite, everything disappeared. The light blended with the darkness. My breathing turned into the rhythm of the air. My vision faded. But soon thereafter, a shadow blocked the desk light. I snapped back into awareness. A figure stood by my desk. It was pointing down at the sketch I had created. Its arm disturbed the normalcy of the desk light's path. Strapped around the figure's head was a black piece of cloth, covering the entirety of its face. This was the aspect that immediately sent me sprawling onto my bed in unpleasant apprehension. But there was nowhere to hide. Pressed against the wall, my gaze was forced unscreened upon the intruder. Black, finely cross-hatched gloves ended at the figure's shoulders. A gray vest with many zippers was strapped tightly over its torso. Whether this piece of attire served a purpose, I did not know. An undergarment lay beneath the vest and the gloves, and black pants and boots hugged its legs and feet. Its rough, bald head glistened with a burgundy hue that was the only visible flesh. 
I did not dare speak. The masked intruder motioned for me to come and look at the sketch upon my desk. Hesitantly, and torn from all sanity, I did as it requested while keeping as much distance from it as possible. My body trembled uncontrollably. I looked down at the paper. The sketch was the same as it had been, except for one thing. On the strange planet that I had not consciously drawn was an entity. The very same entity I had forced myself away from seeing in my mind. The thing was too awful to look at. I turned away. While still pointing at the sketch, with its other hand the figure pointed at me. What? I whispered in my mind in a blur of confusion and terror. I still could not speak aloud. As if hearing me, the cloth-masked visitor shook its finger at me, and then shook its other finger at the sketch, as if attempting to emphasize its original message. Afterwards, it brought its hands together and laced its fingers. I did not understand what it was trying to tell me. Knowing that I did not understand, the visitor reached up to its cloth covering and pulled it away. Behind the cloth was the same thing as on my sketch, the same thing trying to show itself in my mind. I screamed. I screamed a scream that rode the tides of fear like a sacrificial animal placed on an altar, helpless against the unrelenting blade. The scream scratched and clawed at my throat, halting here and there in harsh inconsistency. I jumped back onto my bed and pressed myself against the wall again, fully embracing a dread more sinister than the grave's open jowls. Staring at me was the face of a monster, a sick, charred, sinister mess. It smiled at me with a toothless grin and eyes that held only empty white pupils. Every aspect of its face was put together like melted puzzle pieces. Its visage was not like a face at all, but rather a casing or covering that seemed to still be hiding something more beneath its guise. It mouthed something to me with a huge black tongue, and then quickly replaced its mask and dashed out of my room. My heart pounded unbearably within my chest, and pain surged once more down my spine. The dreadfulness of the moment was wreaking havoc with my body causing my blood cells to lose their proper form. The pain moved into my arms and legs, and finally my abdomen. The pain pervaded me. I screamed even louder. I wanted nothing more at that moment than for my parents to come rushing to me, arms extended, faces worry-stricken, but they did not come. I screamed for several minutes until I could scream no more, but still my parents never came. When my screaming ceased, there was only silence, and the pain, and the inescapable fear. My bedroom door was open, and it led into a hallway of blackness. I stared at that hallway for a half an hour, waiting for my parents to come, and hoping for the thing not to come. The pain did not subside. It was the worst it had ever been, so, despite the horror enveloping my will, I had to venture out into the house to get my medication. I walked cautiously into the mystery of my home. Mom? Dad? I asked out into the silence as I turned on lights that illuminated vacancy. To my dismay, there was no answer. 
Three more times before reaching the kitchen I called out to my parents, but was met only with silence. My hands shook vigorously as I fumbled open the cabinet door over the kitchen counter. I was about to grab the bottle of pills when I heard talking. It was my parents. Trails of their conversation trickled into my ears and raised hope inside me. Leaving the pills, I ran for their bedroom, slipping on the cool tile of the kitchen in my haste before bounding through the hall, then the open door and into the lit room. My parents were standing in front of their bed, talking to someone between them. Impatience radiated from my dad's face. And I'm sorry I didn't bring you dinner, but as far as I'm concerned, you didn't deserve it, my mom said, placing her hand on the person in front of her. But come on, I'll at least make you a snack right now. Mom! Dad! I exclaimed, running up to them to grab their attention. But they did not look my way. They did not even flinch in my direction. When I reached them, I saw what they were conversing with. They were talking to the cloth-masked visitor, whose head radiated ox-blood-hued monstrosity. My mom had her hand on it and was talking to it as if it were her son. No, I screamed, tearing my throat with her terrible pressure of the sound. I'm right here, that's not me, I'm right here. The terror inside me reignited. The vile intruder swung its eyes towards me. It knew I was there and paid me the atrocious courtesy of letting me know it. My parents, however, did not know I was there, nor could they hear my words or feel my actions. Please, I begged, while lunging upon them with my body. They moved under my force, but acted as if nothing had happened. I had all but fallen off the face of existence. I was left with no choice but to give up on my efforts to be seen or heard. The shroud of concealment was impenetrable, and whatever sounds I made only brushed off into an unknown dimension. My value as a distinguishable being had vanished. Life had failed me again, even by those little, detestable things crawling within it. I had been chosen to be the vessel of subordination, just as I had been day after day and year after year, walked upon and abused. Only this time, it was some supernatural gremlin that stole me away from substantiality and sent my heart into an orbit around my chest. I watched as my mom and my demon replacement walked out of the bedroom towards the kitchen. Dad turned off the bedroom lights and returned to the bed. The patience in him had long since gone. I could see it in his face. He heaved the covers over himself and rolled onto his side. Every movement he made was performed as if to escape the ever-present annoyances of the world. For a short while, I stood in the darkness of my parents' room and watched my dad. It took him a long time to fall asleep. Unrest was built into his soul. I stared not wanting to hate him, but wanting him to not hate me. I wanted to jump on top of him, the monster that he was, and make him know that I was there. I wanted to tell him right then and there that I forgave him. I wanted him to simply put out his hand and grasp my arm once, quickly. That was all I needed. But such things, then, were only dreams.
There came the crash of a dish. Dad leapt out of bed and ran from the bedroom. I followed. I came upon a scene of the cloth-masked visitor throwing a fit while surely saying something that my parents could hear, but I could not. Mom retaliated with an arsenal of sentences that fed the growing heat of the situation. And that was when Dad burst into the picture. He grabbed the masked figure and began striking it over and over on its face. With each strike, the cloth covering the visitor's face was pushed further off. By the fifth blow, the cloth had fallen off and revealed the sanguine grotesqueness beneath. By some accursed enchantment, the visitor had instilled in my dad an abhorrence so extreme that it tore through the history of his doings with an effortless wickedness, elevating this moment of rage to the absolute pinnacle of his violent potential. My dad continued to strike the visitor. He thought it was me. He thinks it is me, I cried in my mind, as my strange counterpart was pummeled more violently than any beating that had ever been unleashed on me. My mom lunged upon Dad, trying to get him to stop, but he would not. Not this time. Again and again, he beat the face of my ghastly nemesis. The melted-together grooves of its visage began to slide and fall to the ground in a pile. I could barely watch as the face shed and exposed a sick, black hollowness within. The visitor turned towards me and looked at me with eyes that hovered where its head used to be, and then collapsed to the floor. Dad stopped. Mom fell still. They watched the thing lie unmoving upon the ground. I watched, too. "'What have you done?' Mom cried. "'What have you done?' Dad fell to the floor and sat like a zombie. "'Don't just sit there. Call someone. Get someone!' Mom hurled desperate commands at the top of a cracking voice. While my parents reacted to the grim and horrifying situation, it, the once-masked visitor, rose. They did not see it rise impossibly to its feet with black internal emptiness swallowing sanity and remnants of pulped burgundy flesh shimmering in the kitchen light. They did not see it reach out its gloved hand and grab my dad's throat and begin to clinch. Fiercer and fiercer, the grip became, and then the thing ripped something out of him. A rag doll of a being came forth from my dad's neck. Crimson, dry, wrinkled skin swathed it from head to toe, a relative of the one who extracted it. The visitor threw the crumpled entity to the side. The pitiful thing moved and reached back towards my dad, as if tragically lured by a relentless drug. The visitor then performed the same act on my mom. Again, something came out, but from my mom the roseate bean was clenching its ears and trembling horribly while shaking its head in bouts of haunting whimpers. The visitor held on to this frenzied thing while it walked over to the other one and picked it up. The figure gave another alien, demented glance in my direction and then walked off into the house, vanishing forever. My mom and dad were still reacting as if the visitor were lying unconscious upon the floor. Dad sat like a zombie while mom ran to the phone and began frantically dialing. I was suddenly filled with the urge to sleep. I walked over to where the visitor should have been in the eyes of my parents and lay down. 
Hold on, Joshua. Just hold on a little bit longer. My eyes cracked open to the sound of Mom's gentle words. Her face hovered above my own in a mosaic of blurred color and light. She kept speaking, but I could not grasp the sounds. Standing beside her was Dad, solemn and ghostly white. Emotions I had never before seen rushed in and out of his complexion, like spirits carrying the many different pieces of a human heart. His hand rested on my shoulder. That was all I needed, nothing more. Enfolded in this pure and blissful moment, I closed my eyes and drifted into a different, more precious sleep. That concludes episode 41 of The Dark Verse. Email me at sharkchildatthedarkverse.com and let me know what you thought. Also, if you want to add The Dark Verse as a friend on MySpace, go to myspace.com slash thedarkverse. Also, on iTunes, give The Dark Verse a review, please. And if you want to listen to any of the past podcasted episodes you can do so at thedarkverse.com you can also submit your email address uh, on my website so that I can keep you updated on everything that's going on with the dark verse with the book and anything else that's cool okay that's it have a great life all stories on the dark verse are the sole property of shark child and cannot be used for distribution publication or monetary gain without my written consent sleep deeply and remember to love